What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition, a special edition of B-Shape Daily. I'm Brendan Schaefer here with you in the evening hours of Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. And boy, do we ever have a lot to talk about. The St. Louis Cardinals have found their next catcher. It's Wilson Contreras, longtime Chicago Cubs catcher, is now changing sides of the Cards-Cubs rivalry and coming to St. Louis on a five-year $87.5 million deal, as reported by Jeff Passan. I don't believe as of yet we've gotten confirmation from the Cardinals. I checked my email once more before starting this recording on Wednesday night. I don't believe the deal has been officially announced by the team, but it is coming in due time. You probably can expect that on Thursday. And it fills a big need for the Cardinals, obviously. Cardinals lose Yadier Molina, but even with him this past season, the offensive production they were getting from the catcher position was just not good enough. I circle back to the 552 OPS from Cardinals catchers last year in 2022. That ranked 28th in Major League Baseball. So the notion of trying to find a catcher who could provide a little more thump at the plate was one the Cardinals were obviously well interested in to begin this offseason. You want a guy that can handle the pitching staff too. You want a guy that you figure can be reliable for the next number of years. And that's why the Cardinals circled the wagons around Contreras when he came to free agency, but it's also why they explored what was evidently the full depths of the trade market at the catcher position. Names like Danny Jansen, Alejandro Kirk, and probably at the top of the list, Sean Murphy from Oakland. The Cardinals were interested in these guys. That had been widely reported. And just before I began recording tonight, we got some great reporting that was released by Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. In an article that he wrote discussing the Contreras deal, he included some details as to the reasoning that the trade possibilities the Cardinals were looking into did not get done. And that is the skeleton key to all of this because, and I think I, I even tweeted out earlier on Wednesday, I said, it's going to be like one of those when you go to the pearly gates and St. Peter is standing there. This was a little hyperbolic, obviously, but you know the trope. You get one question, ask about anything that happened during your life, and, and he'll give you the answer after you die. And I said, I just got to know, back in December 2022, what was it that the Oakland Athletics asked for in exchange for Sean Murphy that the Cardinals just weren't willing to go? They, they weren't willing to give in on that. What, what was the trade package? I got to know. Because the Cardinals, their first preference was to go the trade route. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Derek confirmed the notion of trade for a catcher that frees up some financial resources to sign a shortstop in free agency. And that probably would have been Dansby Swanson. I don't know if Derek had that in his article, but I'm, I'm just sort of piecing it all together, which I was doing already to an extent previously on Wednesday. You can check out my article at KMOV.com slash sports. I didn't have the boots on the ground reporting. Derek is uh, the man when it comes to that kind of stuff. But I am looking at it the way the rest of us are, and we see a lot of the tea leaves, and we're able to read those in the directions that they're that they're twirling. And to me, it was pretty obvious that the Cardinals wanted to trade for a catcher because if you do that, you, you spend a little bit less in terms of the salary because you get a guy who's cost-controlled for the next few years. Sean Murphy, for instance, would have been three seasons 
and I don't know what the salaries would be, but it wouldn't be $17.5 million per year. That's what they're giving to Wilson Contreras. And they would have figured out a way to, I think, use some of that extra money to add another impact bat. And I do believe the Cardinals still need that, but to get it at this point, because you went the free agent route with the catcher position, I think you're going to need to do it via trade. You're going to have to find a bat via trade. And I don't know that that's like a a hard-locked necessity. Like, I don't know if the Cardinals are hell-bent on actually seeing that through to its conclusion. Part of the reason for that is they're probably finding these trade waters relatively difficult to navigate at this point. I had said that, you know, the Wilson Contreras option, when I did the podcast last night, talking about my rankings I wrote for KMOV, the top five catcher options, and I ranked them five to one. And Contreras was number five on my list because I considered it important for the Cardinals to have the ability to go out and and add another bat. And that was always part of what I thought they should be doing. And as it turns out, based on Derek's reporting, that's what they were looking to do. But at the end of the day, they weren't able to find the trade for the catcher. According to Derek, and I recommend you go read his article at STL today. It's all over Twitter now. I've seen screenshots of it. You kind of walk that line because I know Derek did a lot of work with this, and uh, that's that's reporting that you wouldn't have found if not for Derek Gould. So everybody's going to be talking about this, but it wouldn't be out there. It wouldn't be in the ether if not for the reporting by Derek. So that's why I want to give him full props for this because even though the screenshots are floating around Twitter and you'll be able to, to access it without necessarily clicking on his article, you should because there was a lot of good insight on there that you may not get to see on Twitter. So I want to give him full props before going into it a little bit. But the entire question as to why didn't the Cardinals get this trade done, I needed to know. I I wanted to know that information to be able to uh, hold an informed opinion on whether or not they blew it with this one. Because you could make the case that, you know, if the Cardinals were looking at getting Sean Murphy for three years, former Gold Glover, pretty good bat as well, team controlled through 2023, 2024, 2025, and the Athletics wanted Nolan Gorman, and the Cardinals said no, I would have said, ah, that's a mistake. Not because Gorman's not a good player, but because of the many aspects of his game where I said, I don't know exactly where he's going to fit and if the Cardinals will be committed to giving him the opportunity to show what he can do in terms of an everyday spot on the field, in the lineup, whatever the case might be. So I thought that was two really valuable pieces that you could exchange for one another and maybe both sides would get what they're looking for. Because Gorman has more years of team control attached. You won't have to pay him as much through arbitration. Quite as soon, you'll get him for longer before free agency hits. And Oakland is sort of, you figure to be in that still stage of a rebuild where they're not looking to compete necessarily right away. And they were looking for a haul for a gold glove caliber catcher. And... I was maybe a little naive to think it would just be Nolan Gorman, and I never really thought that, but I thought you you give a piece like that, you maybe add a pitching prospect. I thought that might be within the range of possibility. And for the Cardinals, in doing that, you keep your outfielders intact because I don't think without acquiring another outfielder, the Cardinals are in a position to be able to let one go. I think they're they're sort of thin in terms of reliability in the outfield as it is. O'Neal didn't play well last year. He was on the injured list multiple times. Yes, there's potential there. We've seen it from him before, but what do you expect to actually happen in 2023? I don't think it's a guarantee. Dylan Carlson really struggled against right-handed pitching. You like his defense. You like his potential for the future, but it wasn't a good year for him in center field. Lars Newtbar 
I've been all about Lars Neupar. Left-handed, hitting outfielder, has good speed, good defense, good energy. Neupar's the guy of the three that I that I feel the best about going into the season. I've said that. But he's also the one that people are kind of wondering, is he a flash in the pan? Is what he did in 2022 sustainable? Or is it just kind of uh, a flash in the pan and this is maybe the, the time in his career to take advantage of his value and trade him away? Those are the kinds of conversations we've been having all offseason. I have made it clear time and time again which side of the fence I came down on in that conversation. Well, as it turns out, folks, the St. Louis Cardinals feel the exact same way about Lars Newpar as I do. Because I have said consistently, you can draw up any trade polls you want. You can you can dream up hypotheticals. I'm not participating. I'm not trading Lars Newpar. Pretty much period the end of the discussion. You'd have to be talking about a significant, as close to a guarantee, cost-controlled kind of guy as it gets. And I would still be hesitant, and I would still look at it and say, aren't there aren't there other ways to do this if I'm negotiating that deal? Because, again, I don't really particularly trust what the Cardinals have in the outfield heading into 2023. There's possibility there, but there's not a lot of certainty. And I think Lars Neupar is the best of the bunch, at least the way he performed last year, and, and I don't expect him to fall off. I do believe it's sustainable. I think he can be a really good player that has a lot of versatility and a lot of different tools on his tool belt that will help him be successful and, and, and therefore make the Cardinals successful as a lineup. So I wouldn't be trading Lars Newpar, and according to Derek Gould's reporting, the Cardinals aren't so keen on the idea either. As he writes that the Athletics sought a return of outfielder Lars Newpar, Gold Glove winner Brendan Donovan, and a power young pitcher like Gordon Graceffo in exchange for Sean Murphy, who has the three years of control. That's the reporting from Derek Gould. You've probably seen it all over Twitter by now. But how about that? I'm sitting here, and the Cardinals are holding on with the vice grip to the exact guy that I think they should be holding on to with the vice grip, Lars Newpar. And not to throw Brendan Donovan's name into that mixture as though uh, he's mincemeat. Guy did win a gold glove this past year, and his versatility and his ability to get on base I think can be valuable tools for the Cardinals as well. But to me, Newpar is the the biggest prize of that deal because I think Newpar can do he can do the on-base thing. He can give you the good defense but he can also hit for some power. He can be a, a legitimate spark, an OPS guy, a slug guy, an on-base guy. I think he can be all of those things. And at a position group where the Cardinals are are looking for some certainty, looking for some guys to step up, they have been for years. You can go back and look at each season of Cardinals baseball for the last, I don't know, five, six, seven, and say, hey, they had this plan about the outfield coming into the season. And then they had to pivot, they had to shift, they had to do this. This guy underperformed, this guy got injured. It's been a revolving door in a lot of ways. And I, I'm i not saying that Lars Neupar is going to be the answer, but I think he did enough this past season to where I'm willing to find out. I am not trying to leverage the outfield group for the St. Louis Cardinals as though it's this position of strength and surplus for the team when it was an underperforming group as a whole last season and Newpar was the best performer of the group. It's not complicated to me, but I've been getting a lot of flack on Twitter over the last few weeks and months where people go, oh, Lars Newpar, like, now's the time to trade him. I'm like, I just don't see it that way. We're not going to agree on this conversation. I've had to shut down the talks. You know, people would say, hey, what about this? And, and I'm like, listen, I'm the wrong guy to ask. If you're trying to trade Lars Newpar, I'm the wrong guy to ask for the opinion on that because it, it's not something I would do. It, unless you were getting 
at least one really good outfielder via free agency, and I, and I haven't really seen that guy out there in the outfield mix. Aaron Judge back with the Yankees. That news happens today as well. I haven't seen the guy where I go, yeah, in free agency, I'd sign that guy, which would then allow me some comfort in the idea of trading away Newt Bar because you, you can replace Newt Bar with whatever guy you sign. He'll be more expensive, but maybe you're getting a cheaper catcher or a cheaper whatever else, a cheaper starting pitcher, and that's the way you leverage Newt Bar's really good 2022 season. But like those examples just weren't popping up. I didn't see them happening. I didn't see it as realistic. So I was like, no, it's not a move that I would be making. I think the Cardinals were were correct to stand their ground on the Sean Murphy negotiations to not go in and make Lars Newtbar available there, along with Brendan Donovan. Like, I don't really know what some of these teams are doing. And I guess that we're really biased because we look at it from the Cardinals' point of view and say, well, what would make sense for the Cardinals? And we're not spending an equal amount of time asking what would make sense for the athletics. Nobody that's listening to this podcast knows the Oakland A's roster as well as you know the Cardinals roster because you're a Cardinals fan and you follow this stuff and you live it and you breathe it. And that's why you're listening in mid-December, early December to a podcast about the, the Cardinals baseball team, which doesn't play another meaningful game for like five months. Like that's that's the situation here. I guess it's more like four and a half months. Opening days around the corner, folks. But my point is, wouldn't be entirely fair to look at it and say, what's Oakland thinking? Like, because we don't really know. I mean, we could we could do some research on that, but we don't know really, truly what their needs are and, and what their organization is looking to do as much as we do the Cardinals because we see it every day and we're, we're reading about it, we're talking about it. But I really do think it, from an outsider's perspective, again, on the Oakland Athletics, it's like, okay, Sean Murphy, really good player. But like Lars Newtbar has... I feel like the ability to be a Sean Murphy type in the outfield could win a gold glove has a better bat. As far as I can tell is younger, you know, Murphy's 28 Lars Newtbar. I hope I'm right about this. I don't think he's that old 25, 26, probably how old is Lars Newtbar 25 years old, just turned 25 in September. So you, you have that benefit. If you were the Oakland athletics, Newtbar, in terms of team control, can't become a free agent until 2028. Like, this is why. This is why he's got one year of service time. This is why you don't trade Lars Newtbar. And then you definitely don't add Brendan Donovan to it, who's got, you know, five, six years of team control as well. Won't be a free agent until, you know, we're all dead and gone. Like, it's just, I don't really know what they were thinking and say, I guess maybe their thought process is we don't have to trade Sean Murphy We've got him for three years, and maybe in two or three years we'll be good. And so we'll have him as part of a winning organization. But, like, did they think that this was going to happen? Maybe they just wanted to play hardball with Moselock. They're tired of seeing the Cardinals uh, put one over on other teams in terms of trades, the Arenado deal. You've got the uh, Goldsmith deal before that one. Maybe that was it. But I can acknowledge, like, Sean Murphy, three and a half wins above replacement this past season. That's really good. Newt Bar only 2.2, but you got to remember, only played about 60% of the year, 290 at-bats. He didn't get a full scope of at-bats, so he's probably a three- to four-win player as well if he gets a full season of work. I would agree that three and a half wins above replacement, more valuable at the catcher spot than it is in the outfield because it's just scarce the number of catchers who do that. You do have to consider, though, three outfielders per team. So it makes sense that there'd be more doing that, but it's 
Like when you look to replace a guy like that, those players exist in the ether. You can you can acquire them, whether it's for money or talent in a trade. Those players exist in the outfield. Not a ton of guys, three and a half wins above replacement at the catcher position. I'd have to look into it, and I'm not going to because, you know, it's it's there's no point in diving too deep into it because Sean Murphy's not going to be a Cardinal. But, you know, it's it's not an unlimited list, whereas with the outfield position, you've got a few dozen guys probably that are capable of doing that, have done that, will do that again. And so the Cardinals were like, hey, we get it. This guy's valuable, but he's not he's not valuable to where we're going to give you two more controllable guys that can do stuff that he's done. Lars Newpart, like I said, 2.2 wins above replacement. He's a three to four win player in my estimation. If you give him a full season, maybe more. Brendan Donovan just was a 4.1 win player as a rookie in 391 at-bats. The versatility defensively, he won't be a free agent until 2029. He didn't even get a full year of service, which seems a little crazy to me. Winning a gold glove, though, they should probably update that on base for reference. I believe that winning a gold glove might vault him into that where he he gets the accrued time. I'd have to they might just have to update that. I'm not 100 percent on on that on the Donovan thing, but it's going to be a long time before he's a free agent as well. And the Cardinals might have happened into just you know the next guy that sort of comes out of nowhere, not a big prospect pedigree, but he ends up winning the Cardinals a bunch of games. Like the Cardinals don't have to give up two of those guys for Sean Murphy because they have the money to sign Wilson Contreras. And that's where we're at. Wilson Contreras is a Cardinal. 3.9 wins above replacement for him this past season, by the way. A lot of it coming offensively more so than uh, behind the plate in terms of his acumen there. He's not the defensive catcher that Sean Murphy is, and at some point the Cardinals may regret that because of the notion of managing the pitching staff, pitch framing, throwing guys out, all the things that go into the catcher position that we maybe don't talk enough about that Yadier Molina was always so good at. Uh, but what Wilson Contreras can do is he can hit. 808 career OPS, 815 this past season. Remember, 552 OPS for Cardinals catchers in 2022. Contreras was 815 with a 349 on base and a 466 slug. So he's an on-base guy, and he's going to hit you some bombs. For the past five non-COVID shortened seasons, so we're taking 2020 out of this, Contreras hit 20-plus homers, and he's had an OPS of at least 763 in each of the past four seasons since 2019 hasn't been below 763 so I get it that he's 30 years old I have concerns about that as well but I think his bat holds on for at least the next two three years it is a five-year deal but you didn't end up spending on the average annual value I think the way that we thought might happen with Contreras if you were looking at MLB trade rumors as I was their projection for Contreras was four years 84 million at first, it seemed as though the Cardinals were maybe hoping to do a three-year deal with Contreras, and maybe they were going to have to agree to a fourth year to get it cemented. They actually agreed to a fifth year, but it's not like all that different from a four-year and $84 million deal because they get an extra year, and it's basically the same price, $84 million, $87 million. What's the difference? You get another year, you spread that allocation over five years instead of four, it makes it $17.5 million instead of 21 22 whatever. Totally reasonable. And so I feel like that's solid for the Cardinals in terms of the flexibility it will afford them for the payroll. And every time I talk about payroll flexibility, I want to make sure and clarify they have all the payroll flexibility they could ever want, but there is an upper limit to what they're actually going to physically do, and this helps them stay within that. Like, the Cardinals could sign anybody they wanted to. Financially, they could. They just choose not to. They don't, you know, 
that's that's just an age old battle, and it's not ever really going to change. They're going to try to be competitive in the top twelve to you know fourteen payrolls in Major League Baseball, but they're never going to be number one. They're never going to be number two. They're never going to be with the Yankees or the Red Sox or those those kinds of coastal teams, the Dodgers, of course. They're never going to really delve into that area, I don't think. But what they're able to do with Wilson Contreras is get him, get him for the next five years and hope that for the next three or so he can be your everyday catcher and then maybe you're splitting the work with Herrera or maybe Kisner comes along and improves and, and he sticks around. Like, there are options down the road, but they're, they're, they've answered the question, I think, pretty definitively for the next couple of years. I do have some concern, like, okay, Contreras only caught 72 games last year, and he was a DH for 39, missed about 40-some-odd games. What's the deal with that? I guess he was on the injured list at one point. I didn't even look into it. But, like, the notion that he wasn't catching 110, 115 games, and then he turns 30, and you're like, well, is it only going to get worse from here? It's a fair question. I think it'll probably be fine for the next couple of years, but it is something to keep in mind. Like, he's the same age that Dexter Fowler was when the Cardinals signed him, playing at a much more uh, difficult and demanding position in terms of uh, the strain on your body, catcher versus outfielder. And, you know, Contreras got the Fowler contract with a few extra million thrown on so that he becomes the largest free agent contract ever delivered by the Cardinals to a player who had not previously played for the team. I believe the reason you have to add that addendum is because Matt Holliday was technically a free agent contract, but he had been acquired via trade, ironically, from the Oakland Athletics, and then became a free agent after the few months that he spent in St. Louis, but said, oh, I love it here, I'm coming back. But technically, that was a free agent deal. But Contreras is the the biggest free agent deal to happen for a player who's never played for the Cardinals. Arenado, Goldie, obviously, those contracts, the Cardinals have to pay them, but they are uh, they weren't free agent contracts. Arenado already had his, and Goldie signed an extension after he was acquired via trade. So it's a big commitment. It's kind of that same contract, though, isn't it? Like we've talked about the Fowler deal, the Mike Leak deal. Do they have to settle for lesser because their initial choice, Sean Murphy, Danny Jansen, which, by the way, Derek reported that uh, Ryan Helsley was also a name that popped up with the Blue Jays along with Lars Dupar. And just neither of those things were going to happen. You're not trading Lars Newpar, and you're not trading Ryan Helsley. Like, it's just not not, not for those guys, not for a catcher. I say it in a demeaning way, and I don't mean it that way, but you're not doing it for a catcher because a catcher is going to catch 100 games at best, 120 games. He's not going to be 162, uh, 162, pardon me, day-a-year guy. And even though it's an important position, I just don't think you can – I don't think you can give up five years of Lars Newbar for a catcher. There's not there's not many catchers in the game where I'd be like, yep, that's a deal I'd make because catchers break down. It's just the expectation because it is a very demanding position. So Danny Jansen wouldn't have been it for me. Alejandro Kirk, interesting. Uh, his body type may be a little concerning, but that's, you know, sh- short kind of squatty guy. That's kind of what a catcher is oftentimes, though. So I maybe he'll hold up just fine. I was interested in him. I even said on the show, like, new bar for Kirk, eh, if I squinted, but I, I still wouldn't have enjoyed it, wouldn't have wanted to see it happen. But the years of control and the age factor were were what attracted me to Kirk. Jansen, just a couple of years, that was more like Tyler O'Neill territory. I thought that would have been fair. And the Blue Jays were saying, give us Lars Newtbar and Ryan Helsley. Like, whatever, man. <laughs> I just don't know. I just don't know what these teams are thinking. I guess they're thinking we can try and ask for the moon, and if they, they don't give it to us, no problem. But I'll be very curious to see what ends up happening 
does Danny Jansen get traded and what for? And does Sean Murphy get traded and what for? But now we don't have to wonder, you know, if the Cardinals made the right decision or not. My estimation, they did. You're not going to trade Newt Barr and Donovan. The pitching prospect doesn't bother me. I would. There's probably not a pitching prospect in the organization I wouldn't unload if it, if it were the right deal, even though later it might be Sandy Alcantara, and I regret it. At this point in time, I, I, I'm just so keen on seeing the Cardinals get the trades that they need to fix their roster and the redundancies on it that I, if there's a prospect you can throw in, it's probably not going to bother me as long as it's not Mason Wynn or Jordan Walker. Which, by the way, Walker can factor into the outfield conversation this year. He should. And that might be kind of your ace up your sleeve, the saving grace for why the Cardinals don't necessarily have to go out and get an impact bat via trade now that they've got Contreras to kind of be in that five-hole or six-hole in the lineup wherever they put him. That could be your ace up the sleeve. If Jordan Walker comes in and he's a stud and you put him as one of your outfielders, you've got Newt Barr out there as well. You've got Dylan Carlson for sure against lefties on the mound, and then uh, Tyler O'Neill maybe can p- play against righties or some lefties, or you go, you know, Alec Burleson can make a step forward, whatever. Like, you might have enough there. You've got Donovan that can play outfield as well, and he's getting on base no matter who's on the mound. So, like, you can see the makings of a pretty quality lineup by slotting Contreras in there. It just, it's been a weird day because my preference all along was to see the Cardinals trade for a catcher because then you can spend that $17 million or $20 million, whatever it ends up being, on somebody else for your lineup to sort of replace the Albert Pujols role without actually getting a guy that can only play first base or DH. You can even have added flexibility. Find the 900 OPS that Albert gave you, or 850 or whatever you can get. Like, not many guys were hitting 895 OPS last year, so I recognize that it's not easy to just walk out and, and pluck one of those guys off the street. But the beauty of it is you could do that and then have flexibility in the position that the guy plays. He could have been an outfielder. He could have been a shortstop. You know, they were never probably going to spend the 30-whatever million for Carlos Correa. That's what they should have done. Watch out if the Cubs do it. I'm telling you, they're getting a shortstop, and it makes it even easier for them to do that now that the Cardinals have spent their money on a catcher, their catcher, by the way. So the Cubs are going to be incentivized to say, okay, we're going to get a shortstop. We're, we're getting Correa, we're getting Bogarts, or we're getting Swanson. One of those three is going to be a Chicago Cup. That is my impression. And they've already gotten Bellinger, and I've already stated this for the record. I don't know if it was on B-Shape Daily or on the big show on KTGR. I can't remember which. But the Cubs are the chief competition for the Cardinals in the Central this year. Like, they're going to end up remaking their roster enough that I'm not saying they're going to beat the Cardinals, but I, they're my pick to finish second based on what I expect them to do and do in addition to the moves they've already made, like Bellinger, I think they're going to be really interesting. They're expediting that timeline because they're willing to spend again. But credit to the Cardinals for spending as well. You tried the trade market. It was the preferred option, but you can't force another team to be reasonable. Like, that's the bottom line, and it's something that we forget often in, in terms of these trade conversations when we want the Cardinals to make a trade. John Moselec does not have the power to force another team to be realistic or reasonable. If they're crazy, you can't deal with them. <laughs> like, it's just not going to work out. He has been patient. Like, the strength of John Moselak is to be patient in those trade markets, which is why the multi-year pursuits of guys like Goldsmith and Arenado, where you circle the drain for multiple years before it actually happens on those big contracts that you're willing to take on the deal in the case of Arenado, or in the case of Goldie, you just know that you're going to be able to sign him, and, and the team that's got him knows they can't. And so they finally relent 
and you end up getting both those guys for a song, like that's where John Mozeliak is at his best. This winter, this hot stove has been different because there's kind of timeline pressure on a lot of this stuff. Is Contreras going to sign? Is Christian Vasquez going to sign? Like, is he our backup option if we can't get the trade done and then Wilson Contreras is gone? How do we feel about that? Can we get a deal done? Well, they're trying to leverage. The Oakland A's are trying to leverage our interest against everybody else's and get the most that they can, and they don't have the same time crunch that we do. We need a catcher by April or the end of March, whenever the season starts. And obviously, you want that guy before then. You want him for spring training. But they don't need to make any move. They could trade Sean Murphy in July if they really wanted to. So, like, it's not always an even playing field that the Cardinals are operating on, and they've got to recognize what the other side's looking for, and sometimes they're just looking to be unreasonable and see if they can get a killer deal for their side. Like, if the A's were to look at the Cardinals, they would go, okay, well, if you lose Donovan and Newtbar, you probably don't have a great outfield, and now your middle infield depth is pretty, you know, lacking as well. It's like, yeah, that would exactly be the case. Sure, the Cardinals could have, supplemented the the Donovan loss by signing Swanson, and you play Swanson at short, Edmund at second, you've still got Gorman, that part would have worked out. I would have been concerned about the outfield and the way that ended up playing. And I've talked a lot about how I don't know that Dansby Swanson is the answer for the impact bat question. So I might just rather have Brendan Donovan than Dansby Swanson. And by the way, he's going to be $20 million a year cheaper. So the Cardinals felt the same way about that. They held their ground. I commend them for doing so. I didn't know that that was going to be my answer by the end of the day today. I didn't know that before the clock struck midnight on Wednesday evening into Thursday morning that I was going to know that, oh, yeah, the Cardinals, they didn't get their guy via trade, but they were smart not to do it because the ask was outrageous. But thanks to Derek Gould, we do have that information now, and and certainly you trust his reporting because uh, he's one of the best in the business. So really good stuff there to acknowledge that, yep, the trade route was the way you wanted to go. With those teams, Oakland and Toronto, it just wasn't meant to be because the ask was just, I just don't think it was realistic. And if you're listening and saying, no, I have done Newt Barr and I have done Donovan and add Gordon Graceffo, a power pitcher in there as well, and go get Sean Murphy, and and Dansby Swanson could have been the guy you signed with the extra money, okay, I'm sorry that what you wanted to happen this offseason didn't end up taking place because the Cardinals just weren't feeling it. But I'd like to think that most people out there sort of see the light on the, the reason that it went down the way that it did. I'm not trying to do PR for the team, you guys. If you listen to the show, uh, you know that. I like to give my spin on things, give my take, and sometimes it aligns with what the Cardinals are doing. Other times it doesn't. This time, though, it does. Uh, but now I'm not I'm not really satisfied by that. I'm not satisfied by Contreras and, and nothing else. Just because those teams that you dealt with on the catcher front weren't as reasonable I don't think the Cardinals should give up the the hunt for an impact bat via trade. I don't think it comes via free agency now because I just don't know if they're raising the payroll by the amount that they'd need to to accommodate Contreras and a bat and maybe a pitcher that they sign because they recognize the pitching situation. This was a quote in Derek's article from, uh, I believe it was Mo Gersher Mo that like they see the risk associated with their starting pitching right now, which is, four of the five guys under contract for this year that you project to be in the starting five. They're not under contract for 2024. It's one and done for all four of them. Wainwright, Flaherty, Michaelis, Montgomery. And then you've got Steven Matz in there who's got three years left on his deal. A lot of those guys have questions with injury, performance, whatever the case might be. Behind those guys in terms of depth, you have Hudson, who didn't have a good year, and I don't think you'd be comfortable with him in your, your top five to start the season. Maybe even as your swing man, that's a little questionable, might make more sense in a trade if the Cardinals can find somewhere for him to land. 
and it's not to say you got to get a lot for him. He could be part of a package where you give three players, and he's the third best of the deal, and you get one guy that you feel decent about and can use on your 26-man roster. That's how you clear up roster redundancies. It's easier said than done, though, when teams are looking at your roster and saying, well, I want Donovan, I want Graceffo, and I want Lars Nupar, of all people. Like it, It's tough to, to have you win trades when everybody else wants that from you. But I still look at it and say you've got Hudson as your number six. Palante, I wouldn't trade him. I think he can be a guy that fills in when injuries do take place and, and you feel decent enough about him. Uh, Libertor, I again, I think it might be the offseason to trade him because I don't know that he's going to fulfill the promise of the prospect hype. I'm not sure he's going to deliver on that. Uh, but maybe there's another team who would like to find out, and you can put him as part of a package to remake somebody's rotation because he's got a lot of team control and I think he should still have some value I just don't know if the Cardinals are in a spot to rely upon him I think they'd rather trade a couple of those pitchers that I named you can trade Flaherty you can trade Montgomery you can trade one of the guys on a one-year deal if another team wants him it'd have to go to a contender because you can't trade those guys to a losing team because a losing team doesn't care about having a guy for a one-year deal they want team control so you got to think about what the other side wants as well but I'm looking at, and then Jake Woodford's another guy who Cardinals haven't really figured out how to use him. Uh, maybe another team would like to do so. I think the Cardinals have got to clear some of the glut of pitching before they can add a meaningful pitcher. But they might try to to trim around the edges, find a guy for five to eight million dollars, something like that. Kind of like the Drew Verhagen signing from last offseason, but hopefully like good, like hopefully it works out. Whereas that one hasn't really, and I think he's still under contract because it was a two year deal. But that kind of swing man, they envisioned him. He could fill in in the rotation if they needed. He'd be a reliever if they needed. Power arm, that sort of picture, and it just didn't pan out. They're looking for, I think, that kind of guy. But if they're able to make some trades, maybe then they could delve into the pitching market a little bit deeper, or they could trade for a pitcher, right? Like, that's always possible, too. I don't know exactly the names on the market. Not going to speculate on it tonight of who could be available to be a trade. But, like, there are names out there to be had, I think, if the Cardinals are willing to give up some pieces. But they've made it clear on the guys that they don't want to give up, right? They like Newport. They like Brendan Donovan. I think they're correct in feeling that way about those guys. And so I admit it's going to be difficult to try and make trades. But I'd still be liking to see the Cardinals make the attempt. And the one name I'm circling is Brian Reynolds of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Stone cold killer. You can put him in the outfield with Newt Barr. And you've got two of the three right there. And maybe by the end of the season, Jordan Walker is the third. Does that make Dylan Carlson expendable? I don't feel comfortable enough with that conversation to have it tonight because we're over a half an hour in and I got to wrap up and, and go rock the baby to sleep. But I'm just saying, like, check out Brian Reynolds. We'll talk about him more. Yes, it's within the division. I don't know if the Pirates would trade him here. They did trade Jose Quintana, but that was a guy that was on an expiring contract. That was their whole plan, I think, when they signed him was to get something for him, and they got Oviedo and a prospect out of it. So I don't know if Brian Reynolds is realistic, but check out his numbers. He's a switch hitter. I think he'd be perfect. I don't know about the Carlson thing. Gorman, like there are some names though that you could throw it at the Pirates and uh, maybe be able to to settle your outfield in a really impactful way. But I'm not giving a decree on whether I do any of the names that I just mentioned. I'm just saying that's sort of the way I'm looking. I still think they need an impact bat, but it's less likely now to come from free agency because they got Wilson Contreras. So that's really all I'm going to speak on tonight. I appreciate you guys for joining me. At for 12 on Twitter, let me know your thoughts on the Contreras deal. Does this report from Derek Gould change your perception of the entire thing? Where you may be a little bit bummed out because they didn't save some money, go get a guy via trade for catcher, and then be able to spend big on a shortstop. But now that can't happen because uh, they couldn't figure out the trade. Does this perception 
change because you now know, well, the asking price was pretty exorbitant from those key, those teams that had the catchers, and maybe the Cardinals made the right move. I'm curious for your thoughts. Let me know at for 12 on Twitter. Make sure to subscribe to Shape Daily on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you like the work I'm doing, patreon.com slash for 12 is the way you can support me and support the show. Appreciate you guys as always, and we'll talk to you next time on Shape Daily. Peace!